I think that would be so cute to just like look out my window and just see a bear like you talking like a person I ain't never been face to face with no bear okay you're right <laughs> <laughs> everybody zoe flowers here your favorite brujas brujas zoe flowers back with another episode of the magic hours and today i am sitting down with radia iobami and she is a brooklyn born person with southern roots she holds a ba in africana studies from brooklyn college an mfa in prose from mills college and has awards from the New York Foundation of the Arts, the Sustainable Arts Foundation, and a residency with the Atlantic Center for the Arts. Whew, that's a lot, girl. Thank you. That's a lot. <laughs> she has been, and it goes on, she has been published in several anthologies and journals, including Agni Apogee, Apogee? Apogee. Asterix, Apogee, mm -hmm. Asterix, and Tayo Literary Magazine. Some of her most enjoyable work has been facilitating workshops with pregnant teens, inmates, and elders. Her free time is spent listening to plants, going to her son's basketball game, and working on her first novel. She is also the author of a collection of lyrical essays called The Long Amen. Mm -hmm. And so it is my pleasure to turn the mic over to Radia. Long time sister friend. We've traveled up and down the roads together. We've read yes. books together. We met yes. we've poetry together. We've done spiritual work together. <laughs> yes. Or there's much more that I don't know about you that you'll share on the podcast. Yes. So we're going to just jump right in with um, a book that changed your life. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> you know what? I just reread The Color Purple mm. yesterday. Oh my God. And I came across it when I was probably 10 years old and I read it. Okay. I remember seeing the movie at five and the movie scared me. Okay. Then years later, I, I came across the book and I read it. But of course, being 10 years old, I didn't understand it. Yeah. But it always sat with my spirit. Mm -hmm. And when I read it again yesterday, I noticed that she has a line in the back of the book where she says, I thank everybody for coming. Alice Walker, author and medium. And so <laughs> that's one of the books Ooh. that really sits with me because it feels channeled. And I've been trying to work on something and I kind of feel like I have writer's block. I don't want to put that out into the universe, but it hasn't been coming together the way I come together. Mm -hmm. But reading The Color Purple reminded me that for me, writing also needs to be a space of channeling mm. like yes there's a part that's intellectual and academic and you sit down and you create these words on a page but there's also a piece of you I think that has to listen and so when I was reading the color purple I could feel the way that she listened deeply to allow those voices to come through mm. wow so interesting, Rudia. Um, when you talk about channeling the work, what is your process like? My process is generally a process of channeling. However, 
what I realize is that because I do a lot of teaching, mm. that lately the teaching has been getting in way of the channeling. Okay. Because I'm always in academic brain mode. So it's like, I'm always, I'm teaching, I'm doing a lesson plan, I'm reading papers, I'm creating an assignment. Like there's a part of my brain that's associating writing so much with academia mm -hmm. that is so different from when I was in the West and I just go down the hill from my house mm -hmm. and sit under a tree and sit on my blanket with my notebook and just hear the voices come through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my process, like to be in nature or to be at my kitchen table late at night or to be on like my favorite chair in the house and just let them come through and speak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm working on opening that space back up without judging it okay okay so I already gave you your you know your resume and we've already talked a little bit about your your process I want to shift to how you move through the world hmm. how do you move through the world as this creative spiritual being in a <laughs> woman's body how do you move through the world mm, child <laughs> child sometimes you just gotta say child because mm, 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 mm. mm. yeah moving through the world as a black woman ain't no joke mm. um I do a lot of listening which looks weird from the outside because mm. <laughs> my life is, is generally not stable and what people would imagine that life should be when you get into the stage of life with you know a grown child and well seasoned as I have been calling myself since I have one silver hair right now. Okay. Congrats. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, yeah, I actually kind of like it. it, but for some reason it comes and goes. I don't get the whole process, but yeah, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not there. Okay. <laughs> but how I move through the world is just pretty much I listen and uh, a spirit directs me someplace I just go, mm -hmm. which, you know, is good and bad at the same time. And I also, I feel environments a lot because, you know, I, I teach at different places. Mm -hmm. And if I go into the building and the building doesn't feel right, I won't go back there. Mm -hmm. And so I do that with a lot of things. I feel it in my body. Like spirit will tell me, oh, you need to move here. And I go put my foot on the ground and test it out, you know? Do you feel like you always were like that? Um, yes, but I let people talk me out of it because folks were trying to make me fit into this system. And I think, you know, coming from a line of Southern Black women who their instruction was always, you need to make it in the world. And they always felt like I was too spacey and too spiritual and I needed to be grounded and you need to get serious and get a job and get a nine to five and work and be normal and get your hair permed and dress professional. And they wanted me to do all this stuff because, you know, the argument was, our family, at least my branch, you know, we were sharecroppers. So we came up out the field and came north and allowed you to be educated and you should take advantage of these opportunities and do certain things like get you a professional job and sit at a desk. You don't have to do what we did. And what am I doing? Wrapping my head, ran long skirts, going to Jamaica, got my hand in the dirt at the farmers, uh, the, the little community gardens and stuff. Like everything they did not want me to do, I did. And they like, wait a minute, we wrapped our heads and had our hand in the dirt down south. What are you doing? Right. It's <laughs> you true. need to do something else. <laughs> no, it's true. Because I've many times I said, well, you look like a Southern lady today in your rocking chair with your head wrapped. 
that's what it is. And, you know, they see that, they want to smack you upside the head because they're like, look, we left that alone so you could put a collar on and go sit at this desk and make you some money. And I just never wanted to do that. I still don't. I know. Jobs are very hard for me. <laughs> well, you know, me too, me too. And we'd be drinking out of jars and stuff. We'd be just like so happy to drink out of a jar. I'm going to be like, throw them jars away. I'm like, I'm not throwing those jars away. No, I don't even got no cups, girl. None. <laughs> I don't got no cups. All Everything jars. Is, <laughs> all jars. Even when I eat something, I make it in the pan. It goes right in the jar. <laughs> I'm up there eating like a baby. What do you think that is? What do you do? You think you're trying to like reach back and connect, or do you think it's like the ancestor that's living in you? What do you think it is? Girl, I don't know. I just think like a lot of us don't be fitting into this system. I just do what fits. Mm. If it fit and it feel good, I'm gonna do it. Mm. You know, like who says I have to eat on a plate with a fork? I don't want to do that. I want to mash me up the sweet potato. And put it in this jar and eat it. And that's what I'm going to do. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to make my body feel good. And I'm going to go about my business. I didn't, I never resonated with certain things, even in terms of diet. Like they always used to laugh at me because I've been a vegetarian since I was a little kid. I always rejected meat. Like chicken smells like glue to me. (laughs) People don't understand that. They always say, you ain't black if you don't like chicken. But even as a kid, I'd be sitting at the dinner table for hours because I just could not digest this chicken I couldn't even stand the smell of it <laughs> and so like there was certain things about me that just was not regular wow. <laughs> I never liked the smell of meat I couldn't do it you just you give me my vegetables and a little bowl and I was fine so they was always just like we don't know what's gonna happen to her because she's so daggone weird <laughs> mm. I'm curious about your um your Virgo placement in your chart do you know where Virgo is in your chart I don't know if I have any Virgo in my chart I've never been told that but I haven't ever had the full chart done too Mm. Virgo is very particular about food and things like that okay Virgo's that could be specific diets Mm. yeah I'm curious I was a kid yeah Yeah. I'm curious about give me eat meat don't give me eggs don't give me white rice. Don't give me vegetables cooked to no color. <laughs> Don't give me none of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you were not popular at the family functions at all because that's everything just about. Pretty much. Recently. Oh, child, I like me some cobbler, some sweets, and some biscuits. Okay. Yeah. And, and things like that. You know, yeah. just, yeah. Don't give me anything but eyeballs. That's it. Oh, <laughs> If you got eyeballs, I don't want it. Oh, shoot. So, so, you know, again, we met at a poetry reading. And so I want to talk about your poetry journey. And when did this voice start emerging? And, you know, what were the circumstances around you becoming a poet? Um, You know what? I don't even feel like a poet. I feel like a storyteller. That's true. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. That's because uh, that's how most of my stuff comes out. Even you know, a lot of poets, and that's in quotations, Mm -hmm. don't necessarily recognize my stuff as poetry. It's more like, here's this thing I'm gonna give you. It's not exactly poetry. It's not exactly prose. It's in the middle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, the first stories that I ever wrote down were my grandmother's stories. 
So, and I was probably about seven or eight years old. And she used to tell a lot of stories about being out south and the farm and the fields and what they did and what it looked like, what it smelled like and rolling tobacco and being in the creek and all of this. So the first, first memory I have is of having my composition book and just writing down her stories when I was like seven or eight. And I didn't even know that that was anything unusual until one day my mom found one of my notebooks and she read it. And she said, well, where did you get the story from? And I said, well, that's my story. She said, oh, this is good. And she took the notebook and she read it to my grandmother. And my grandmother said, where'd she get that from? <laughs> and my mama said, that's your story. <laughs> and she was like, why that child wrote that down like that? And so, yeah, after that, it just was a thing where I would just write them down and sometimes read it to them. And I would ask her questions and just take notes. And I remember being 10 years old and being and saying to her, how was it to pick cotton? And she would go off on this rant, like, oh, you know, and the little things used to stick your fingers and we get out there and Papa used to tell me. And then after she finished telling the story, she said, but what you want to know about all that old time stuff for? It don't matter. But I was writing it down. So those were my stories. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. So I came to it. And when did you, so you had this family, you know, this, chronicling the stories of your family when did you decide to take it outward and share your stories with the world did you did you do this in school did you do it with girlfriends like when did you become this storyteller public storyteller as you are now well you know what I always had girlfriends that were in crisis like deep deep crisis like ran away from home and was on the street and how to interact with grown men in order to survive crisis or somebody in my house is doing this to me and this is what's going on crisis or I don't have any mama crisis or things like that. And so they were always in a position where they couldn't talk to folks about it. So they would talk to me and then I couldn't really tell anybody about it. So I used to write it down because I didn't know how to carry that heaviness because those things were so heavy. And sometimes after I used to write them down, I would read it to them and say, oh, you know, like we, you know, remember we talked yesterday and this is what happened and they always liked it. So it went from that, like sharing stories with my girlfriends to being in, um, like maybe I would be in a class or something like that. And somebody, the teachers would say, oh, do you want to share your work? Or does somebody want to share their work? And I would read one of these stories. And the teachers, you know, they'd say like, oh, where'd you get this story from? Oh, I just made it up. I never tell them the stories, but true stories. Right, right. But that's how that really started. Is the sharing stories of people around me. Do you feel like your, um, your writing was supported and um, lifted up and celebrated? Hmm. What do you mean? Like in general or by family or? In school and in general, yeah. Well, you know, child, we well seasoned. <laughs> so in those days and times, I don't know that people knew what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I will say that, you know, I did receive a, a lot of acknowledgement around it. Like, oh, we realized she can write, but nobody ever said to me, take this class or like go to this place or maybe you should do something with it. Like that kind of thing never happened. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think that people who lived where I lived and went to school where I went to school just were really conscious about things like that at the time it just was like okay well she can write that's nice we like to hear it 
but you still need to graduate high school, go to college and work for the telephone company or whatever. (laughs) The highest they could think, which they always used to say was you could be a teacher. Yeah. But as far as like writing, as doing that as a profession or something that I would share with the world, no. Yeah. And so let's talk about where your writing has taken you. Oh boy. Well, you know, folks make me mad. I write something and, you know, get me a little fellowship and go somewhere. So <laughs> every time I turn around, you're somewhere. So let's so talk about it. Let's talk about again, like what door wow. writing opened up for you. Writing opened up the world for me. It just, it mm-hmm. really did. It's, it's brought me money when I didn't have any money. It's um it's led me to Mexico, it's led me to Jamaica, it's led me to um Ghana because I had to write a um I had to write like a a little synopsis of my life for a scholarship and I was able to get that scholarship to fund me to go and then they were also able to give me a little for pocket change and I had a friend and I pulled her in and she went with me it was fabulous so um writing has definitely led me around the world and just provided resources when I didn't have resources when I was graduating grad school I won the sustainable arts and that was a beautiful thing that was like a graduation present Mm. I had that and I was able to go to Costa Rica for a little bit and do some writing and yeah, just writing has been amazing. It has. Yeah. And how do you think those global experiences influence your interactions with young people, your interactions with your child? How do you think that your global perspective, your travels and things like that influence those interactions? Mm, well, girl, like I always, you know, be saying, I don't have money for this. You, you always hear me complaining about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I always tell young people, as I say, listen, if you have something that you know how to do, concentrate on that because it will open doors for you that you can't see at the time. Like who knew? when I was writing down my grandmother's stories in the composition notebook, or when I was living in all these different places that I didn't want to live. And I was writing my stories, you know, by hand in notebooks or, you know, on these little rinky dink um, Google Chromebooks and things that I had that I was carrying around. Who knew that the stories that I created at that time would do such things for me as open the door for me to go to grad school, open the door for me to go international, open the door for me to win awards and fellowships and residencies and things like that. I didn't even know that stuff existed. I didn't know there was such a thing as fellowships and residencies. I just was a writer who liked to write. And occasionally I would pop onto the Google and look stuff up and say, oh, well, this is interesting. Let me just try. I didn't know anybody that had won those things. I didn't know what it was about. Sometimes I just threw my hat in the ring. And when I threw my hat in the ring, sometimes it was successful and it would come back with something. So I always say, if you have something that you love to do, just do it because putting that energy in the universe will come back to you in so many ways that you can't see. So I think that now is a perfect time for us to hear one of your stories. Ah, okay. Well, I got my little book here. So, you know, can't see it, but <laughs> long amen. Yes. Um, hmm. Okay, you know what? I'll, um, you know, I love Entozaki Shange. Yes. So she passed, what was it, a couple of years back. And um I did a tribute piece to her because she was one of the first writers. When you asked me about the book, you know what? 
I should have said Intozaki because I believe I picked her up even before I picked up Alice Walker. I picked up a lot of grown folks when I was. A I was kid. gonna say you're you're like me. I was reading <laughs> way above things that I should have been reading. Absolutely, age. Absolutely. Before I was ten, I read The Bluest Eye, The Color Purple, and Intozaki. Yeah. So I remember those. Those were my my three that just I used to walk with, even when I didn't understand them. But what I love about Intozaki that was a little bit different for me, uh, for, for me to uh, as far as like Alice Walker and Toni Morrison was that Intozaki was straight magic. Mm. Like Alice Walker, I understood the culture, the language, the people, because that's what I come from. Mm-hmm. Toni Morrison was a little different, but she had an urban vibe to some of her stories, and I understood that. Mm-hmm. But Intozaki was like the moon was in her mouth, and she became a woman. <laughs> so her stuff was something else. I didn't know Black people could be magical until I read her. Mm-hmm. So coming from a very Southern Black Christian background, she just opened up doors for me that were not visible. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to read my tribute to her. Okay. Called Amen, a prayer to myself. Okay. I'm 10 and two things are happening at the same time. I'm discovering Intozaki Shange and my mother is going through another religious shift. This is the point where we start to spiral away from each other in permanent ways. She gives me makeup. She gives up makeup, music, and sleeveless dresses. We quit the Baptist church where the preacher hollers and rhyme as the organs wail and matrons in white faint in the aisles and start going to a Pentecostal church with a German preacher who says clap and takes glory away from God and encourages us to say amen instead. Suddenly, everything is a sin. The Smurfs is a sin. And singing ain't no half stepping is a sin. And reading Choose Your Own Adventures with Magical Characters is a sin. And doing the butt is definitely a sin. And having you was the biggest sin of all, my mother says one day, as she lays out our outfits for church, white cotton slips, black stockings, long plaid dresses. She pulls my hair into two tight braids. I was unmarried, and that was wrong. We need to do what God wants us to do. And then I fall into Hilda Ifania and her three girls, and a girl with a moon in her mouth makes dolls of comfrey, wild jam, and sunflower. There are words in the book like tits and cunt and woman blood that's caught by velvet napkins. And even the names of the three girls, sassafras, cypress, and indigo, are sacred as the loose tongues of matrons that shouted down the Baptist church aisles. And when I'm feeling unwanted and ugly as a thumb, I take Hilda and her three girls to the pine trees by the house and open my book. And I'm in Charleston in a silk dress the color of twilight and woven by hand, and there are no mothers angry with God and everyone. In this place, the mothers laugh softly with their long gone men and say, won't you see these children now? In this place, mothers give their daughters tools for magic, cloth to weave and cases made of crocodile skin. And when their daughters sit under magnolia trees and talk to the moon, mothers say, it's the South in them. In this place, there is no such word as sin. These mothers believe where there is a woman, there is magic. And a piece of my soul remains in Charleston. Eventually, my mother goes back to lipstick and tank tops and churches that sell orange macaroni and cheese dinners after service. 
She keeps the sin and I keep the magic. The magic turns little girl plaid dresses into satin headscarves and rippling rainbow skirts when I become a woman. The magic turns tight corn rolls into freeform locks that I wash in Caribbean oceans. The magic turns my birth from a sin into a moment when I am born from the mouth of a moon and I am a precious and mystical being. I learned the thing that my mother was seeking, what God wants us to do. The gospel of sassafras, cypress, indigo says God wants us to be loved. So I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely. Amen. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I got to read into Zaki again now. <sighs> that was so good. That was so good. Oh my gosh. That was so good. So visual. So amazing, so beautiful, so true. Mm. So true. Mm. Girl. So, you know, you went there with spirituality. So let's get into that. Let's get in it. <laughs> what you mean? What you Tell mean? Me. What I think what? About spirituality? About the whole thing. What do you want to say about it? Oh God, I done been 400 religions. <laughs> religious left i can't be nothing else i don't admit everything <laughs> i don't think i can't shave my head anymore i can't go to any more initiations i can't go to any more temples i can't do any more rituals i can't do any more ceremonies i can't burn any more into like there's nothing left i don't know all the thing i do now is sit under a tree and eat mangoes that's my religion <laughs> i cannot do no more religions <laughs> Yeah, I think they probably got my picture up at one of these places, like, do not admit. <laughs> why, 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 why? I mean, I know why, but I want you to share. Um, well, who may not know, or pe people who may be, you know, searching. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm spiritually hard-headed. So that's number one. Yes. Yes. So anything a religion tell me to do, I'm going to be like, why? No, I don't agree. <laughs> yes, ladies and uh, gentlemen, she's telling the truth. You know. <laughs> Cause you tell me stuff all the time and I'm like, nope, no, 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 totally. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you be like, well, the cards say that you shouldn't. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know why the card said that that's wrong. <laughs> no, one. But pull another card. That's your other yep. one. That's another one. <laughs> yep. And then I have an attitude with that card too. <laughs> I know. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't fit well in organized religion. You know, I've tried and I think as far as like growing up, religion was always full of so much punishment. Like I felt like I was always in trouble. I was always doing something wrong. I was always repenting, having to ask God to forgive me. Oh, you know, like I said a curse, I had a bad thought, I did this and whatever. So I don't know, like as black women, I think we carry this thing within us. Like we're always doing something wrong. We need to be punished. We need to repent. It even crosses like food and relationships and everything. Like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be in intimate relationship with this person because we're not married and I shouldn't be eating this cake because I need to lose weight and I shouldn't be cussing out this person who needs to get cussed out because they out of order, but I'm not going to cuss them out because, you know, that's the wrong thing to do is, you know, we're always policing ourselves and in trouble and repenting and I'm just like so done with all of that energy because I feel like that's human energy and God like Alice Walker say in the color purple it don't want nothing but for to be loved mm -hmm. God wants 
the love and wants to be loved. And that's what I truly believe. So I cannot join nothing because I'm not repenting. I'm not fasting. I'm not doing the work. I don't want to carry the yams. I don't want to. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I ain't doing nothing. You said you're not doing the work and you're not carrying the yams? I'm not carrying, nope. I'm not doing nothing. Nope. I will not be in the church at six o'clock scrubbing the altar. I'm not free to preach unless I want to. If I'm eating and he want to come over and eat with me, that's fine. But no, I'm not frying no Sunday chicken. I'm not doing none of it. I'm not wearing the whites if I don't feel like it. No, I'm not doing none of it. <laughs> none of it. <laughs> don't be asking me to fast. I'm finished to eat this brownie. Oh <laughs> and, I, and i'm gonna enjoy it so while y'all are in fasting and prayer i will be eating the brownies and i'm probably gonna have some wine with it too when do you think this shift happened um hmm. you know what i think california ruined me okay <laughs> or released you or released you yeah it really did because just well first of all you don't find folks who are part of organized religions and um, in mass in the way that you do in the East and the South. So that was part of it. Like, you know, I find that there's a lot of religious communities in other parts of the country, which is fine and beautiful. Like, you know, I always love to go drop into the church, into the masjid and, and whatever's going on. But um, with California, I felt like a lot of people that I've met, spirituality was such an internal thing. And so like, I couldn't just a lot of times run down to a local masjid or a local group that was having a ceremony or something like that. I really had to just sit under a tree and figure it out. And so because, you know, I didn't know the places to run to because I was new and had to learn things and I just didn't find religious organizations and, and people in ceremony on a large scale like I did in, in Brooklyn and in New York, I just had to say, okay, well, how is this gonna sustain me now that it's just me? Like, I can't run down to the ceremony because I don't even know where the ceremony is. But here's this beautiful tree outside my door and the sun is out and I'm just going to make me some tea and I'm going to sit on this blanket under this tree and see what spirit have to tell me. And, you know, it had always been talking to me, but then it really started talking to me because I was there by myself. It was just me and my child, no family, no folks. And it was, you know, it definitely was a big shift. 3,000 miles away, I couldn't run back when I wanted to run back. So I was just sitting in the street and be like, look, Spirit, y'all done told me to do this thing. I came here, guide me, because I don't know what else to do, and I need help. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's when that started. And once I really found and strengthened that connection, nothing that I could find anywhere else was as strong okay. as me dialoguing with Spirit. Hmm. I mean, that makes me wonder, um, is the reason why we're kept in such close quarters and the reason why the dogma is so strong is to drown out that wild spirit that's in most of us. Now, some people do want to follow. Some people do mm -hmm. want to, some people do want to be led, mm -hmm. but those, and that's good too, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their journey and their role. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it, but it also, and also though, there is something about packing people in, not having access to other ideas. And so then you don't have time to sit and think your own thoughts. Yes, very much so. And, you know, a lot of times when you do, sometimes you'll get the word 
from you know folks in, in these communities that will say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, or you know, what you heard is not accurate, or you know, whatever. And also, you know, everybody can have their own opinion. If you feel like this is not something that humans should do, that's okay for you to have that. But for me, whatever you tell me, it needs to line up with my spirit. Mm-hmm. So if my spirit tells me something and then I come to your organization or your church or your whatever, and you tell me something different, I'm going to follow my spirit every time. Mm-hmm. So it has to be in alignment, even if it's a little different. It can't be too far off for me. And when you move like that, a lot of times it's very hard to move within organized religion because they ain't trying to really hear stuff like that. It's like, look, this is what we do. And these are the house rules and you got to respect the house rules. And I respect that as well. So that's when I go get my, um, what do you call it? I go get my man of Shevitz, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, my listen- man of great wine. <laughs> you know you don't have to tell me because you always was like oh come to this thing come mm-hmm. to that and I was like girl no I can't yeah like when you helped me with that too can't yeah you helped me a lot with that because you was like what I'm not going to no more certain no don't invite me to that Mm-mm. <laughs> you stay but they're doing this thing they're doing that and I'm like oh. <laughs> because you know what I loved I mean I love communal worship like you know you go yeah. to these ceremonies sometimes and the drum is beaten and the people yes. are dancing and the energy yes. is beautiful it is beautiful it but is. it don't necessarily mean that you gonna be a tight part of everything that they doing but I will come and worship with you and acknowledge our common humanity and give thanks and be glad to see your face and be glad to see healthy people yeah anywhere black folks are dancing I'm like amen that's religion yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can yeah. respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't be asking me to come to the meetings. And don't tell me what to do. Yeah, that too. Unless <laughs> I call you and I ask you to tell me what to do. Right. And then even if you tell me, respect the fact that I might take some of it and not all of it. Right. Yeah. Because that's the other thing too. Like you tell me something. And all right, this piece of it, I resonate with. I can recognize that. That other part, that don't resonate too much with me. I can't do that. And so this takes time. This is a skill. This is a skill that we have developed over time. We're still developing, I would say. And so Mm -hmm. what would you say to somebody who's just like beginning on this journey? What might be some ways that they could check in with themselves around alignment? And Mm. um, yeah move in that direction what are some ways you think sort of as a healer you're a healer so what are some ways people can you know align with their own energy Mm, well you know uh, my son I I have a a college age son Mm -hmm. and what I'm always telling him the number one thing is I think you need to have every every day you need to have some room in your life for quiet because like he just always has stuff going on like he got the earphones in He's on the computer, he's on the phone, he's talking to somebody, he's playing basketball, he's hanging out, he's training. It's just his his day is so filled with outside stimulation. And I'm just like, look, while you have those earphones in and you're sitting down there, take 10 minutes, put the phone aside and just be quiet and listen because spirit is not forceful. That's what I've discovered in my own journey. It can't talk over all of these electronics. So if like you always have the TV on, you always have something in your ear, it's really hard to hear. 
and you know, I know he's young and he wants to be around folks, but he's also very spiritually connected. He makes great decisions and he really knows how to listen to spirit on his own too. Sometimes, you know, he'll have something that he's thinking about. And I say, put the YouTube down and go get you a little silence and see what your spirit is telling you. Mm. Talks are great. People are great. Being interacting with all kinds of folks and communities is great. Mm. But the number one thing is silence. Mm. Even if it's only 10 minutes when you get up and you don't have to be no big thing. Well, you know, I like the incense. No, just get up and don't even get out your bed. Just wake up, be quiet, go within and say, spirit, do you have anything you need to tell me? What should I know about this day? And just listen. You might get something you might not. Eyes. And that makes me wonder, uh, what has motherhood taught you? Oh, God. <laughs> motherhood has been my life because, you know, I didn't get my 20s. Um, yeah, because, you know, I was, I was raising my child. But, um, wow, motherhood has taught me to love without condition. Because kids going to do some stuff and you just be like, why? Why? <laughs> they don't even know. Motherhood has taught me that when you give to people, you love them even more because raising a child is a process where you just give and continue to give and continue to give. And, you know, sometimes folks think like, oh, you know, they're 18 and the kids cut. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. And I'm so happy to do it. Like, I'm so happy I'm able to support my son in his college journey and see his games and do everything that, you know, help him build the kind of life that I know I wanted to live as a young person. It just makes me love him more to see him accomplishing his goals. So it's definitely taught me that. It's taught me to, um, to be open to a lot of different people and communities, because on my own, I'm going to stay with the folks I like, folks like you, that, you know, we sisters mm -hmm. will be up here drinking tea and being spiritual and being creative. <laughs> My son went ahead and signed his tail up for football when he was about six or seven years old. I didn't even know he did it. It used to be a football team practicing in the park right down the street from our house. So I take him to the park and I just sit there and read. And one day the football coach came over to me and he was like, yeah, it's great that you signed him up and stuff, but you need to come on over here and fill out the paperwork in and pay the fee. And I was like, what? child had went <laughs> and told the man that I said he could play football and sign himself up oh my god and then I didn't know anything about it so I'm like okay this must be something that's really strong for him he wants to do it so I had to go on over there and make the proper arrangements but I'm not a sports person at all mm -hmm. didn't know nothing about it mm -hmm. and it you know it, it it brought a new world to me as far as like I look at how he moves in terms of like teamwork and the different people and the sports is taking him international and he he's on sports scholarship at college and just this whole new world that opened up that I never would have really known and it's taught me lessons and I don't even play the game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so motherhood will make you do that. I would never go to a game, mm -hmm. but I go to games for him. Mm -hmm. And every time I go to a game, I learn something and I cheer him on and I see the teamwork and I see the beautiful young people on the court and they just doing their thing and I say amen mm. yeah so motherhood brings a lot of worlds with it I love that I love that so I have two more questions and then we'll get into your reading and okay. the first one is you know what is your dream for the world dream for the world you know what I don't want nobody to have to work a job oh. <laughs> I am just so through with jobs 
And I think most people are through with jobs, especially now after COVID and everything, we just realized that the system does not work. Uh, I can't say that I've worked a full-time job for most of my life. I've always had like teaching gigs and writing gigs and been in school and doing different things. So the past couple of years is the first time that I really have been um, just working a lot of jobs. And yeah, there's just been times where my life was just given to other folks. And, and while that's not generally a bad thing, because I love students and I love being in school, I, that's something that I love to do. But also it started to affect my health, my physical health, my mental health. My body didn't like those long days. I was frustrated. I wasn't writing. I'm still not writing the way I want to write. And so I feel like one of the things that just needs to go is just us giving a majority of our attention to things that are not, that's not hard work. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I want to go into the schools and work with students and do those things, mm-hmm. but not 40 and 50 hours a week and not every day. Yeah. I want to go connect when it's genuine and then I want to have my time to garden and go to dance class and be with people and drink tea. And I think most humans want that because these systems are not working for any of us. And these kids do not like being inside all day anyway. Facts. <laughs> so my dream for the world is that we can all live an authentic life and give attention to family and to self and to the things that we love that we don't have to go and to build us in places to do work that we don't want to do to pay these exorbitant rent and all of these bills and these things that keep us attached to stuff that we're on our spirit i know three black folks under 50 that died I want to say in the past six months. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a lot of it. I think their bodies, you know, in a certain kind of way, just gave out because the system is not an easy system. And too many of us are not admitting that we don't fit. Mm -hmm. And so speaking of not fitting, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, listen, let my legacy be she knew how to lay up. <laughs> That's my legacy. Like, look, she like that daggone system. She got out. She lived the life she wanted to live. She traveled. She wrote her books. She was with, with folks that she loved. She made good tea. She danced. She did her thing. She got free. She got free. <laughs> That's it. Let my legacy be that I got free. Like, never mind about your system. What you going to find Radia doing? Radia sitting on the porch in her rocking chair, reading a book and drinking tea. She's not on the grind. She's not on the hustle. She ain't interested in that. No, ma'am. <laughs> she just knew how to lay right up here and listen to these trees. And again, I'm going back to Alice Walker because she talks about that so much in her book. Mm. Like it just used to be parts in there where Celia and Shug was just laying up all day, like smoking bud and listening to the world. Yeah. That's what I really feel like we need to be doing. I agree. I agree. That's why I'm trying to go upstate with the trees and you're trying to make me go to California with all them people. Um, It's bears upstate and snow. So that falls under my category of not fun. But you know, oh. she's old. <laughs> no, ma'am. I don't like just being locked inside stuff. And then when you go outside, it's a bear. That ain't no fun. Bears are beautiful. They are, but not at my doorstep. <laughs> I, th- I think that would be so cute to just like look out my window and just see a bear. Like you talking like a person I ain't never been face to face with no bear. Okay, you're right. 
mother. She used to be, she, she, she used to have me rolling. Cause you know, like, you know how we are. We're all poetic and dreamy. And I'm like, oh, I would have loved to live down south and smash in the trees and be under the, the, in the creek and in the sun. She'd be like, what you know about them damn snakes? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to go up my house and I'm always late and scatterbrained. So picture me like I know. running out the house late, dropping books and running right into a bear. And I don't even see him because I'm not paying attention. All of a sudden I got to run for my life. No, you can't run. You have to look them in the eye and walk backwards slowly. You can't That's run. too much instruction. I can't do it. Let's go ahead and get into your reading. <laughs> okay okay i get it all right so you want to think of a question and i just give you the overall energy and then if you have a clarifying question you can ask it do you want to do that mm-hmm. oh well this is interesting okay so we are using the hedgewidge field oracle which is all like herbs Mm, okay i can get down with that yeah i just got it this week it's absolutely beautiful mm, i have something like that too that has a, an herb attached to each card and then i got this one too mm, oh i want that one please use the green witch oracle okay i got green on my head scarf right now oh, you sure do you sure do mm -hmm. so I, we got to use the green one okay we'll use the green witch oracle but first before we even do that actually we are going to open with this Lucille Clifton deck because mm. all divine poets. So Lucille has something to say. Amen, amen. Lucille, she's another one I love and I ran into early. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it says, we are here between the lines. So I know you talked a little bit about sort of not being able to bring the words through as you want. And so actually using this as um, a journal prompt or a writing prompt, mm -hmm. we are here between the lines. So that is it, that's a prompt for you, for your, yeah. Thank you. It's almost like taking this and writing it up top so that you can remember, because I'm thinking about that um, that Wayne Dyer um, speech where he talks about, you know, the music. You can't have the. It's not the music that. What does he say? It's the notes between the music that that makes the song beautiful. So it's like it's not just like the primary notes that you hear. It's the things that you can't hear going in between the sounds that makes the song complete if that makes sense and yes. so it's also the same for you we are here between the lines so you're in between things right now but life is still happening and so oh I get it now so it's like not so much looking at um the final picture or the final outcome but what you're doing in between the lines how are you riding r-i-d-i-n-g the notes how are you riding the notes of your life and how are you trying to micromanage the universe is the question for you and then it says you must listen with your hands so this to me is like it's interesting i'm seeing like clay like molding things like doing like using your hands in a different way when you start to feel blocked or whatever we're not even going to say block cancel and delete we're going to say 
when you're um, having a little bit of a challenge, pulling that knowledge from above and bringing it down and manifesting it. Yeah, there's a little bit, like you said, there's a little bit of um, congestion there. It's like the telephone wire is a little curled. So in order to stretch that wire out and make it straight, do something else with your hands. It's like, okay, I can't write right now. Let me get up, get up and make something. I've been getting that. That's when I, you know, I blend teas. Yeah. Sometimes um, I paint if I have a little paint. Yeah. Color is a, is a clay is a, is a good thing. I never thought about yeah, clay, clay is what I actually saw. Clay, starting to do something with clay and even like doing like maybe somehow bringing the clay with your other stories. Mixing mediums, actually. I've been thinking about that. I crochet sometimes, but clay. Okay. Thank you. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So that's interesting. So what else do we have? We are between the lines. Can I get some more clarification on that, please? Can I get some more clarification? Yes. I'm about to start. Listen, it's a Michael's two blocks from here. So I can go now and start playing. Okay. So we have wholeness, black mulberry. Mm. So perhaps um, drinking mulberry teas or um, let's see. I just made a berry tea. Oh, yes, did you? I did. Uh huh. It has several berries in it. It was um, it was composed of all dried fruits. This is very interesting. So bringing this mulberry in is going to be very important because it's actually also number thirty three, mm. which is the higher value of the number six, and we know six is about family. So this is like heightened awareness. But let's see what this says here. Little things seem nothing but they give peace like those metal flowers, which individually seem odorless, but all together perfume the air. It feels very much like we are in between the lines. It's like, there's actually some, there's some form of communication, like the form of communication with spirit. There's something that needs to um, change to make the connection clearer for you. It says everything should be coming together at present in projects and plans. The completion of something is indicated with black mulberries. And the energy of this fruit asks you to put your knowledge and skills to the test. So it's like everything you think you know, investigate it. Everything you think you know about your connection, investigate it. It says balance and stability are present. And from this foundation, the possibilities are expanding. Setbacks, delays, and miscommunication are challenges to watch out for. Hmm, okay. Well, first I'm gonna have to get me a hold of some mulberries, which I have not seen in person yet, but I'm gonna go look now that you gave me that instruction. Okay. Uh, that, that's very interesting that you gave that to me because this week I went down to the store and I got a lot of different dried berries and fruits mm -hmm. and, I made, and I've been drinking it, so yeah. Well, mulberries are connected to protection, strength, vision, clarity, and wisdom. The deities are Diana, Brahma, Minerva, and Athena. Celestial hmm. planet is Mercury. Hello, Mercury, my favorite. Well, one of my favorites. And the astrological sign it res uh, resonates to is Aquarius. So this is super interesting because it says vision, clarity, and wisdom. And I was talking about communication and boom, here comes Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, hmm. which is all about communication. 
So it, there is a spell also. It says set a bowl of black mulberries that were picked. On the 1st of June under a full moon. How did you read my mind? <laughs> set a bowl of yep. black mulberries that were picked mm -hmm. right on sunset. Yeah. On your altar or a mantle and light a white candle on either side. Prop a mirror behind this arrangement and gaze into it while meditating on your situation to obtain illumination that may assist you. Take notes of your thoughts and any messages. See, if you lived upstate, then you could go to that farmer's market that you were talking about and you could say, were these mulberries picked right at sunset? You know what? It's going to be some mulberries from Nostrand Avenue and a white candle from Bath and Body and I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to get the same magic. <laughs> same. So that's the clarification on that, on, on we are here between the lines. And then you must listen between your hands. So for that, we're going to go to our. Love that. Oh, my God. Medicine. We get some, not clarification, but just give us a little addition. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. We have birds and freedom. Hmm. Stunning. Yeah. And the spiral, which is the goddess energy. I love that bird at the bottom. Yeah, no, this is really pretty. So we must listen to, so your hands are the gateway to your freedom. Yes. Okay, so those are those two. Um, <clears throat> And then the location. You want to see? Yeah, give, give me, give me, give me something on that. Yeah, I need some sun and I need some ocean. Cause this winter and these buildings, you know, I mean, they are right for a time. Yeah. But the melanin in me needs to be tropical. Okay, they're they're saying this animal spirit died. Okay. <laughs> That's why, you know, where you are. Yeah. I will come and visit you a certain time of the year. I can only yeah. come between June 1st and September 1st. That is not true. It's absolutely beautiful outside right now. After that, you're going to be snowed in. And I ain't fighting no bears to get you to your door. And it's going to have to be like, you know what? Getting to you is going to be like the fight scene in Wakanda. <laughs> like everybody... Straight out, like you have to fight all of them, fight the fight through the snow, fight the bears. I can't. I don't want to do more fighting. Oh my god. Eh. <laughs> Omg. This is why I can't get readings from you because the ancestors are always playing. Brown bear spirit, and it's number nine, a spirit okay. number. All right, so I don't know what to tell you. And it says, take time out. Okay, well, this is confirmation <laughs> here because you like to lay up. It says there's time to act and a time to focus on, focus your attention on patient strategizing. The arrival of brown bear spirit signals that you are best served by for, foregoing hard work toward your goals at this moment and instead take time out to meditate. So the question was about your your location. So what mm -hmm. I'm getting from this, because the bear does hibernate, the bear does take time out, is to just like relax on that right now. That's actually what I'm okay. getting. 
or just okay. take a nap so that you can refresh yourself and begin planning what you want to co-create next. Come to know the lay of the land as you contemplate and imagine what you might do in this vast space of possibility before you and begin forming a plan. Remember, sleep allows for dreaming and rest allows for clear-headed strategizing. How might you become the person you wish to be and experience whatever your heart desires? Insights will arise as you explore the possibilities and begin envisioning your plan. Oh, I get it. So, so the goal here is not to focus on the where, but to focus on what you want to experience. Hmm. Okay. And to just like feel into the kind of experience you want to attract and, and let the place reveal itself. Mm. Knowing what yes. you will, knowing what you want will ensure you use your energy wisely in the days ahead. Be patient at this time. Relax and be calm and peaceful so you can recharge. The call for action will come later. So that's the message. Chill out mm. on blah, blah, okay. blah, where should I go? Where should I go? And just like the next card here says, trust the magic. Ooh. Okay. Yes. We have the white raven spirit, trust the magic 66, another magic number here. And then it says open to infinite possibilities. Mm. That is true, you know, because spirit can dream so much bigger than we can. We make it small, you know? We do, we do. The very last card here, and it says time for a beginner's mind. So just going back to that sort of, you know, when we first started to learn how to manifest and we had that beginner's mind and things started to move and change for us because we didn't have so many ideas about how things had to be, how things had to look. So just again, just the thing you want to do is just think about how you want to feel in the place. What kind of people do you want to be surrounded by? What kind of restaurants do you want around you? What do you want the nature to look like? What do you want the homes to look like? And just focus on that create that world. And even when you're doing your clay, it's like putting that energy into the clay when you're molding, when you're shaping, putting your dreams into that. Hmm. And then I would take that piece of clay, that first piece of clay, and I would put that on your altar. Mm. And see that as your attraction point. So, so what you're going to do is your desires, your dreams, your wishes, you're going to put that into the play, into the clay as you mold, da, 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 da. and then you're going to put that on your altar. And maybe you can write something like home and stick that so you can see it though. It's like toothpick, write home. So it's like you made a, like a little flag or a little sign and you stick that toothpick in the clay and boom, that's your attraction point. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. I attracted one of my my first apartment in Brooklyn like that. I bought a lemon candle when me and my son was living at the um, we was living at the shelter on a strip of road out by the highway, and I was thinking about how look when we got up out of there because we had been there for a little minute, mm -hmm. and I went to bought a lemon candle and I said that's for my apartment, and it was what a month or two later I put it in the book. You put it in the book? Put it in the book. I, we got a lemon candle. Let me see. Maybe that's the piece that I'll read when I close us yes. out. That's, yes, go ahead. That little piece from that. Yes, go ahead. So I talked about how I came across this metaphysical book. It was actually Florence Scovell Shin. Hey. I forgot what the title of it is, but everybody knows her. Yes. Somebody gave me that. Uh, you know, I'm in the shelter, like, okay, because I was in college and the shelter at the same time. And I was dreaming my way and working my way up out of there. 
So I talk about that. And I say in the book, one of the metaphysical laws says to prepare for the unseen good. There's a story of a woman who is looking to rent a room, but is worried that she'll get a disruptive tenant who won't pay. A spiritual teacher instructs her to prepare as if the most reliable tenant is on the way. So she goes out to buy a new lamp for the room. Shortly after, a tenant appears who is clean, quiet, and pays his rent in advance. This story resonates with the mother. She goes to the store with the little boy and they pick out a perfect lemon scented candle for their new home. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I had that little candle on the table in the shelter. And like two months later, he went to camp. When he went to camp, we were still in the shelter. He went to camp. I got the apartment. I furnished the, his room with a little basketball chair and a hoop and this and that. And he didn't even know. He thought he was going to come back from camp to the shelter. I went and picked him up and brought him to our house. He was like, who house is this? <laughs> I said, it's ours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> So good. Such a good conversation. Radia, how can people get a hold of you? How can people find you? How can people buy your books? Well, the book is on Amazon. Okay. The Long yeah. Amen. So okay. you got to do it as far as they I can do. find me on, um, what's that thing now the young people use? The gram, the Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> they can find me on the Instagram yeah. under Radiant Radia. You're always laughing at me about this internet. <laughs> and then they can find me on Facebook under my name, which is just Radia Iobami. So you. I am on the social media and such. <laughs> Thank you for your words, your wisdom, your storytelling, the laughs. Thank and... you. It's just, you know, it's always wonderful. And I love your energy. It's so different from so many energies that, you know, we tend to run across because it's so light and it's so joyful unapologetically so you know despite all the trauma and the things and whatever that we go through you know you always elevate and you do it in such an elegant way you do it in such a joyful way and not only do you do it you invite other folks to come in so it's not even like I'm doing this and I'm gonna put it in your faces you know what I'm living this lifestyle and it's beautiful and I'm gonna elevate come join me that's the one thing you've always done for me. You always have opened the door and said, this is what I'm doing. Come join me. I'm about to make this money. Come on in. I'm do this healing. Come on in. You don't need to be on the bus. Go and get you a coop. Just like, <laughs> just like I got me one. Yeah. Like you consistently, you, you just be like, what? Why can't you be a millionaire? Because what? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's my, thank you for seeing that. Cause that is my, yes. that is my legacy. That is it my is, legacy, baby. I, just, I love it. I just appreciate it so much. You'd be like, yes, you're supposed to go to Peru. You're supposed <laughs> to go to Morocco. Like I was in Morocco in the castle last week. I don't know why you aren't in Morocco in the castle, but you need to get your, <laughs> your castle's dream and abilities together because it's totally <laughs> possible. So oh, no. what's wrong with you? <laughs> 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 Not out so, of the castle last week. I love it. You just be like, yep, here's my pictures. <sighs> That's a nice tower. Why weren't you there? <laughs> so give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give, yes. thanks. give thanks to the millions of people who will hear this conversation and whose lives yes. will be 
change. We are speaking that into existence. Give yeah. thanks, give thanks, give thanks. And I thanks. will see you all next time. Bye. See you next time.